0: All right, I'm excited uh, to finally get started. Sorry about that. As If you've ever been a coach or a teacher, you know you're kind of set up to fail at times, and you're left at the mercy of some parents that perhaps sometimes show up late for reasons whatever. But Croc, I'm so excited to have you on, man. How are things going? I like that hat, by the way. That is clean.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry to keep everybody waiting, man. I, uh, usually I'm done training athletes at about... central time. And today I had my last parent didn't show up until about 5.20. So uh, super late. And it kind of put us behind here.
0: No worries, man. Uh, And I do want to say, I appreciate everybody's patience. This is awesome. We're seeing some positive things about the mic in here with the headphones and all this stuff. Now, all right, Croc. We've got some questions. You know, I asked my listeners, you know, who they wanted on. You're top of the list, as always. And, <laughs> and I love what you're doing. You're working insane hard. Why don't you share with, just in case there's somebody out there that doesn't know what you're up to. Man, what do you got going on? Because I feel like you've got like 15 different irons in the fire right now.
1: Yeah, well, you know, obviously the main uh, thing that's been supporting me is the the podcasting. So, you know, I've locked on 49ers and locked on the NFL draft. Uh, locked on 49ers with myself and Brian Peacock. And that, that's been awesome. And you know, then I train athletes and I'm building a gym right now. And, you know, originally to, to support my gym and kind of make up the difference between how much money I was making and, uh, and how much, you know, the new gym is going to be going to cost that I'm building right now. I, I had to figure out how to make it. So I started going harder with podcasting. One thing led to another. And eventually, uh, yeah, I started doing very, very, very well with podcasting. And now it's kind of a second like legit thing.
0: It's a, it's like a legit thing. Yeah, I'm I'm this close to being there uh with you guys. You know, I think I have one month left teaching, and then that's it for me. And Yeah, I love it, man. It's the community, and that's kind of what it's about, which is incredible. And, you know, Croc, you've come out to a lot of our kind of hangouts and whatever. It was awesome seeing what you did with the draft. I couldn't watch a lot of it live, but I went back and clicked through it, saw some of the memes they made, which I really, really enjoyed. That was awesome. Uh, So here we go. Let's dive into this thing. And I've got a handful of questions for you. And I'm going to start. I I never do this, but I I need your help, okay? I, I tend to go a little too positive. So I'm going to ask, Croc, I want you to put your kind of mean hat on if you can. What is your least favorite thing that took place with the 49ers draft in general? What was that one thing that took place? Not necessarily player, but just something that kind of just like pissed you off a little bit with how they handled things. Was there anything that kind of jumps out to you?
1: Yeah, drafting drafting a running back third round. You know, to me, I just – unless you you are saying that, you know, the the – he's going to take Elijah Mitchell's job or he's going to at least have the opportunity to really push Elijah Mitchell out of that. So you draft this guy third round and come in and be a guy from that standpoint, I understand it. But if you are think about it from just uh insurance, like I think a lot of fans who are like, Oh, well, no, you they drafted him because you don't want to keep running Debo Samuel or, or they drafted yeah. him because run, 49ers had a lot of running backs hurt. And it's like, well, if that's the case, then you don't draft a running back third round. I still think that you're looking for legit starters in the third round. I think that's an opportunity for another more impactful position uh, that's not running back. And running back, I mean, you can get insurance in the fifth round, in the sixth round, in the seventh round. But I don't don't think that the third round is a pick for insurance. So I think that was the one thing where I'm like, I'm not mad that they took a running back in the draft, but just third round is something I wouldn't have
0: done. And you're not right, you know. The, the conversation, thank you, George. Appreciate the gift. He says, uh, great collab, love it. Um, uh, appreciate it, George. But like, they can't every time they talk about him, they say one two punch, right? They say one two punch, they say big body, they say that he can, you know, wear on defenders. And the film does show that, but at the same time, like, man, whenever I think third round running back. I think explosion, I think playmaking, I think can this be a bell cow type of guy. And, and I don't know, I just don't see it. I like I like the player. I didn't like where the pick was. I, I I'm with you there. I'm yeah, you.
1: and I like the player. I want I want to make that clear because you know, if you kind of go out there and you say, "Oh, you know, I didn't like this or that." They think you don't like the player or something like that. And it's like, "No, it's not personal. It's nothing against the running back. To me, it's just the it's just the value of the running back and how if it is someone that you want to wear down opponents or someone you want for insurance, then, yeah, man, I mean, you, you usually get that a little bit later.
0: Right. And, and I'll say this, you know, when we were doing the live draft in Vegas and we had, you know, the room was, was packed with 49ers fans, when they when that pick was announced, everybody just started turning their head this way, you know, just started shaking their head. They weren't happy with it. Oh, we got the hat changed. Now we're feeling it. Now we're feeling it.
1: Getting the, getting the spirit. Uh-oh, go.
0: here we go. Look at this. <laughs> uh crock a hater oh i love this Uh, brian's (laughs) jumping on here that is incredible i want to send me i'm going to send an invite to brian i don't know if he's busy i'm sure he is busy but i'm going to throw this out there to him just in case he can drop by he might be Uh, available
1: we we record in about 30 minutes so he might
0: So so we'll go quick then because i don't want brian's a big cat I, i don't want him Coming after me and causing some problems, but we sent the invite <laughs> out. If he wants to come out there, I love it. Uh, right here, uh, do you feel that Daddy Gray threatens any DBs with his speed? Um, y'all may have different opinions, so I'll say this the speed shows up. Not only did he run the 4 3, whatever, I don't care. The GPS tracker I mean, Barrows talked about this in his article he put out today. Uh, they had his GPS tracker at SMU hit 22 miles an hour re- repeatedly, and he hit that at the senior bowl is it do you see when you watch his film is it elite speed or is it just like one of those track guys that sometimes is deceptive
1: I think he's at this point more of a track guy you know if you watch him with the ball in his hands I think that's when you really can see the speed you know he can catch a crosser and it's like oh man like look at him go with the with the ball in his hands but if we're just talking about as like you know what makes receivers good and if you really look at receivers a lot of Receivers aren't the fastest of guys, right? Like, who, who's the, who the the best receivers in the NFL? Are right. those guys, like, four, four, five guys yeah. or better? Typically, they're not, right? Devontae Adams is a four or five-something type guy. You look at guys like Keenan Allen, um, you know, Mike Evans, who's been a consistent 1,000-yard-plus receiver. Uh, you know, whoever you look at, they're typically not the fastest of guys. And when you look at a guy like Danny Gray, clearly he has the speed, and that does show up at times. But I just thought like in route, that's definitely something he can continue to improve on. Truly understanding how to utilize the threat of his speed in route.
0: Did you know that you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. You can turn $10 into a thousand with basketball, hockey, college basketball entries today on prize picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. And here's what's great. it, it So, download the app today. Use code 49ers49ERS for a deposit match up to $100. Again, that's promo code 49ers for a first deposit match up to $100 over on Prize Picks. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy.
1: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I think that one of the things that I really like about this draft is when you pair it with the 49ers roster, none of these guys have to be the guy, whether it's Drake Jackson, whether it's the wide receiver, it's a role. They could come in as the number four wide receiver. You could come in as the number five edge and just do your one. It reminds me little. None of these players match this, but Alden Smith, if you remember his incredible rookie year, he didn't come out. He wasn't an every down start. He didn't start. He just came in, did his role, which was pass rush, go back to the sidelines. And I feel like a lot of these guys kind of feel that. It's a depth draft, which is maybe not a great thing. I don't know.
1: It creates competition. So, you know, from that standpoint, I think a lot of the guys that they drafted will at the very least push the starters to where it's like, hey, you know, if you're not on your stuff, there's this younger guy that is really trying to take your spot. And and I'm pretty sure Kyle Shanahan and the front office, you know, approach those younger guys with that opportunity. Look. You know, nothing is going to be given to you. But if you come in and and you prepare the way, like, that you're supposed to as a professional, and I know they'll have to learn how to do that, but, you know, if they do that, then there will be an opportunity for them to not just, you know, make the roster, but have some sort of an impact. And a guy like Danny Gray, maybe it's not, you know, pushing Ayuk or Debo Samuel for, you know, targets. But, hey, can you come in and at least be a threat to pull – you know, defenders and backup secondaries yeah. and that in turn free up things underneath for you can Debo. You can play off of him that way. Uh, you know, will he be able to come in and play over Juwan Jennings? I think that's a big question. And right now I would lean more towards Jennings. But knowing the upside of a Danny Gray is going to be up to him to really tap into that.
0: Yeah, maybe Danny Gray between the 20s and Juwan Jennings in the red zone or short yardage, maybe. I don't. And we very similar to what you just said. Nobody felt that way about Elijah Mitchell last year, right? He was just a depth guy. And sure enough, here we are three weeks into the season. He became the guy. You never know who's going to do that. So I uh, got a question here from Cruz. This was earlier. Who is more likely to see the field first out of our rookie secondary guys? So out of Castro and Womack, if you had to bet. Um, which guy do you think would see the field first out of those two players?
1: Uh, I would probably say Womack because I'm assuming that they want to play him in the nickel spot and watching him. He reminded me a lot of like DJ Reed, right? So, you know, you see a, a player that you potentially want to play in that slot. Well, I think that's way more wide open than an outside cornerback position. So, you know, just the opportunity is much more opportunity for a Womack to come in and start with nickel as opposed to casual fields come in and start on the outside. So I, right. I would definitely go with Womack.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there, too. And, and again, that nickel position, like one of the guys nobody's really talked about, Darquez Denard was getting meaningful snaps at that position late in the year. So, all right, here we go. Let, let's do that. I'm going to put you on the spot, Croc. You're the GM. What is our depth chart right now? if you had to create the nickel debt chart for the 49ers currently before training camp, minicamp, all that, what's that look like for you? Like, who's your starter? Like talk us through that nickel spot and how you would want that playing out currently with what they have.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I have heard a lot of people kind of put this out there and I, and I agree, you know, starting Emmanuel Mosley and Ward on the outside in your base packages and then in nickel, which you play nickel more than anything else. Slide Man, Emmanuel Mosley into that slot uh, nickel spot and put Embry Thomas on the outside. That would be my initial thing. So, so it would start with Emmanuel Mosley, and then I would like to have the Amador Lenore ready. Right. But you, you, I don't know what their plans are and and where he's at and if that's going to be a focal point of what they want. And then you would probably go Denard, and then you would go Womack. Yeah. I, I think it would be in that in that order. With, again, Womack has the opportunity to say, hey, you don't have to move Emmanuel Mosley into the nickel. You can keep him outside. I'll come in and be that guy from day one and maybe compete with a guy like D'Amazon Lenore for it. So the opportunity will be there. Will you do it? You know, I don't know. But, you know, that's how I would approach it if I were them.
0: No, nah, yeah, I'm with you there. And I really feel, you know, like the corners and the... Offensive linemen are the same thing, where they have these guys that are tackles that could play guard, and they have these outside corners that could play inside, they could play outside, and they're just freaking throwing darts. And we're just going to get six to eight guys, and it's kind of you know king of the hill, last man standing, who wants it the most. It's it's weird. Not a lot of teams do this because Kyle Shanahan he doesn't give a damn where you're drafted. That doesn't mean you play. Elijah Mitchell, even Diamador Lenore, he he got playing time over Ambry Thomas. It eventually it kind of sorts itself out, but uh, I don't know, man. It's it's kind of interesting to me. So you said Samuel Womack, and you've been doing. I know your breakdown on Tariq Castro Fields was awesome, by the way.
1: There are a lot of narratives being thrown out about him, so I had to kind of, you know, like let's let's really dive into this because, you know, when I asked like, you know, why was he a six round pick? I I felt like I kept getting this automated like response where everyone had the same answer. And it was (laughs) Dante Johnson, (laughs) but I kept getting the same answer and everyone, everyone was like, Oh, uh, he's a six round pick because he got beat on double moves and he can't tackle. And I'm like, who said like, y'all have for everyone to have this same answer. And a couple of people brought up injuries, which is actually the reason when when I had asked him about it, um, he said that they dinged him for stingers that he had in 2020 or something like that. But like outside of that, he didn't miss any games outside that one year. So it lit a fire on him and, and it was something that he definitely wants to prove on and taking his game to the next level. But, uh, you know, what everyone was saying, I feel like, oh, double moves. That's what, like, dude, I saw two double moves in the games yeah. I watched that he got beat on. I saw three total, but he locked up one of them. So there were two that he got beat on. That's not going to be a reason why somebody goes from being, a third or fourth round type guy to go on undrafted. I mean, to go in sixth round. So I had to really watch and hopefully people really dive into that and watch the entire thread because I think it kind of, you know, it, it shows the full scope of really who he is as a quarterback.
0: No, I, I like that. I like that. And he was the one again, you know, I, I commented on your post on Twitter where I was like, he was the one time I felt like, Oh, this is a value pick this was a quote-unquote steal where you got somebody later than what everybody was assuming. You know, the fourth-round grades, that's where I had them. Um, And, you know, to get him in the sixth, I thought that was key. But now we look at Chance Womack. Oh, I'm sorry, not Chance Womack, but, but Womack, Samuel Womack. Sorry about that. What are some things that you really like about him? Because when you look at his metrics, you think, okay, inside guy, but just like the 49ers always do, the first thing that, you know, Adam Peters was talking about, oh, we, we think he could play outside. Like, he's not just a nickel guy, which is crazy to me, being at that size. Do you see corner flexibility in his game?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, it, this is probably – corners, probably something he's been playing his whole life. Like, nickel, yeah. that he would probably be – it will probably be new to him actually playing in the slot. Right? I mean, again, we, we look at a guy like DJ Reed and DJ Reed at Kansas State. Like, he was a cornerback. And because of his size, a lot of people are like, oh, next level, he's going to be more of a nickel cornerback – and, you know, he got to the 49ers, and not only did they say, oh, yeah, you'll play some nickel, they had him play some outside, they had him play some nickel, they had him play some safety. He did a lot of that, and a lot of that was new to him. Well, he goes to the Seattle Seahawks, and they ex- exclusively play him as cornerback. Like, yeah. Whatever size he is, which is not a bigger guy, but they play him at corner, and he goes and earns a nice payday for the New York Jets. So, you know, when you look at Samuel Womack, Yeah, you know, I don't think he's a guy that has to play in the nickel spot. I think if he wants to make as much of an impact with the 49ers, that would be his best bet to play there, and he could potentially be their guy for years to come. But, yeah, I definitely think there's outside cornerback value.
0: Now, if that's the case, shout-out to my man Phil here. Uh, Where does Verrett fit in? One, I love that they got him back. Two, I love that they got the veteran exemption for him. He's less than a million against the cap, which is just unreal. does he go above Ambry Thomas? I don't think he starts. Is he the fourth corner outside guy? W- what do you do with Verrett? Where, where do you put him? What's that look like?
1: I think one thing is very clear they, they really like Jason Verrett, you know, and obviously the injuries, it sucks. And that's been something that has been consistent with him. All right. But if he's on the field, which that's a big but,
0: They they like what they got. And I
1: think (laughs) big butt. And I think, you know, if you you know remember going back to the 2021 season, it was a no-brainer. Like, that's your best cornerback coming off of the year he had in 2020, 2021, there were high expectations. He was CB1 for the 49ers without a doubt. Now he's had the injury, and they did make a signing with Traverius Ward. And I know everyone likes Mosley, but there is an opportunity or there's a chance where it's like, well, if he's healthy he can potentially be your best cornerback that you have.
0: Man, I remember they were going to give him a huge deal. Then the COVID year happened. And so he was out shopping for, you know, big paydays, three-year deals, and settled with us just to do one cheap deal before he got paid. And then he got hurt in that first game. And just – the narratives change. And But whenever he's playing at his best, there's no doubt, like, he's probably the best corner we got out there. Now, he is older. But I don't I don't know, man. I love the fact that we don't have to rely on him. If he comes in right. as a backup, that is just – the 49ers, they're kind of spoiled at the corner position now. We've never said that since John Lynch has showed up. <laughs> since Kyle Shanahan's right. been here, you haven't said that at all.
1: I, I did think that in 2019 they had a solid depth at the cornerback position when you had Akella Witherspoon, Emmanuel Mosley, uh, Jason Verrett, and really even heading into 2000. 20, because all those guys were, Richard Sherman, all those guys were still there. So I thought that was the one year where I was like, man, you know, these guys are all on aspiring contracts <laughs> for the most part, but, you know, just the depth that they have there with four guys that can legitimately start any week, I thought they, you know, they were good f- from that standpoint.
0: Right. Yeah. I'm with you, Mark. He says, John, would you start Jason Fred on the outside? I would not. I would not. Uh, My starters would be uh, number one Ward by a large margin. And then Emmanuel Mosley. Those would be the two guys I would put out there. Um, Then I would have my backups Uh, would be Ambry Thomas and Jason Verrett. That would be fighting for that third outside spot. And again, like Croc said, you move Mosley inside on nickel, you bring in Verrett or Thomas. Holy cow. Uh, That's, that's just a lot of depth. And we always have injuries. Every team does hundred percent injury sport. So, Those guys are going to play. The thing I'm excited about is you're not bringing in guys like Josh Norman off the street. You're not bringing in Kirkpatrick off the street. You don't want to have to.
1: Remember, last year, those guys didn't start off on the roster right? So, you know, hopefully you don't run into that same type of situation. Those weren't guys that they went into the season wanting to have
0: to play. Yeah, I'm with you there. Now, okay, here we go. This is one that I thought was interesting, and I was listening the whole time to John and Kyle's uh, post-draft press conferences about their gold helmet guys, right? That's their kind of delineation for, okay, clean prospect, fits what we do, on and off the field, whatever. They didn't draft one of them this year. Um, So there was no gold helmet guys that fit kind of the three criteria that they used to make up their guys. The closest one, Adam Peters says, was the kill. So my question to you is, Croc, is there anybody in this draft class, uh, it could be undrafted free agent, doesn't really matter, that you're willing to hang your hat on as a con- you know going to be a long-term contributor to the 49ers and a quote-unquote locker room guy, whatever, it, regardless of position or draft, wherever, is there somebody that you're just like, oh, hell yeah, this makes sense?
1: Well, I think this is, I guess, kind of a cheating answer. I you know, I see. haven't had the opportunity to talk to these guys, and I haven't heard a whole lot about them. But Castro Fields is someone who, since being drafted by the 49ers, I have interacted with. And, you know, him reaching out to me and just saying, hey, what are you seeing on film? How can I get better? I just want to improve. I just want to, you know, uh, be more consistent at these aspects. You know, these are what they were telling us to do. This is what I feel comfortable doing. Like, for him to just reach out to me like that and say, you know, those things and talk about wanting to get better, to me, that feels like a gold star type of mm-hmm. guy like that's the type of person that i'm willing to hang my hat on like oh yeah that, that guy you know he wants it like he's hungry he's going to do whatever it takes to be a good nfl football player so i think it, you know that's the only guy i've had a chance to really kind of understand like who he was from a mental standpoint that was how i felt about trey lance too
0: yeah uh, yeah, yeah. So, i love it
1: you know n- n- when you know that and you find those things out and you hear a lot of those things you can't help but you know kind of believe in that type of guy
0: Right. Now, I love this uh, from Al. A gold star guy, gold helmet guy last year was Tolanoa Hufunga. They, they didn't touch safety. They got, you know, Leon O'Neal um, as an undrafted free agent, which I love that signing. Seems like Huff has his very clear, direct path to starting at the safety position. He was taking away snaps from a healthy tart last year. Where do you fit on that safety position opposite of Jimmy Ward?
1: You know, I think they told us how they feel about it, right? Like, not going out and drafting the guy. I, I thought for sure, like, oh, man, are they going to go into the season? And be like, all right, we are comfortable with either Hufunga. Gosh, can you hear that thunder in the background?
0: Yeah, a little bit, man. I miss being of the south. That's what's up.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, but, um, but yeah, thunder's going crazy. we got a storm going on right now. But, when, you know, when I was looking at the depth chart, it was like, man, they're going to go into the season with Hufunga, who hasn't been a long-term starting guy. How comfortable are you with that? And Traverius Moore, right? How comfortable are you that guy coming off of a, an Achilles injury? So I felt like, oh, this, this is the opportunity to really go after a guy. But here's what I think can potentially happen. They see what one of those guys have, and if one of those guys don't step up, at least right now they can bring back Jaquisky And That door, they continue to say, is open. There, there's a possibility of that. So I think right now they, they, they let those two guys duke it out and see if maybe yeah. Hufunga, and they probably want Hufunga to be the long-term guy. They have him on the chief. They just drafted him last year. So he has, you know, including this year, three more years on his contract. They probably like him to really take control of that. Uh, will he? I don't know. That's going to yeah. be a question.
0: The, the thing that just, like, is burned to the back of my head was when we were go- playing against the Packers in the divisional round, and it was, like, late in the fourth quarter, and they were basically, like, they got to score or else. They had Hufunga to the side, of Devontae Adams, like, three plays in a row. And, like, the last, like, deep pass that, you know, Rogers threw in desperation, whatever, Hufunga was the deep safety. He made a nice play on it. So, like, I don't I, – whether it's right or not, I'm a big Hufunga guy, but I, I understand, like, I just love the tape. Uh, and right. I don't know if he could be that deep safety, though. It scares me. I like him more as a football player than as a safety That's an issue. Oh, what's up, David? He's talking about Cardinals in Mexico, baby. Are you going down there? You going south of the border, Croc? You gonna go down to Mexico City? No, I'm out. Oh, back child support.
1: They won't, they won't give me a passport.
0: All right. All right. Well, we're we're going down there, man. We're gonna uh we're throwing a party. We're working to get those details together. If you head over to 40 hours rush road trip, uh check that out. We already got tickets available. We're looking at hotels and getting a bus to the stadium and all that kind of stuff. Maybe just Uh, for
1: that, I'll clear up I'll clear up my my back. All right. All
0: right, there we go. All right, here we go. We gotta talk about this. I got this email from Aaron, who is just such an awesome dude. He wants I guess we have some uh, opposing views on the DeForest Buckner trade idea um, in roster building because I think this is incredible. You know, we're several years away from the DeForest Buckner trade, who's one of my favorite players in the NFL. The 49ers kind of chose very opposite of their Debo path. All right, we're not going to pay him what he wants, so let's ship him out. A lot of people say, you know, it's DeForest Buckner for Javon Kinlaw, which hasn't really panned out. But, like, at the same time, like, Let's look at this several years out because uh, I think it's Eric Armstead. I think it's Jimmy Ward. and I think it's Javon Kinlaw equals that Buckner thing. The money, salary cap kind of matches that as well. What are your thoughts just on, man, here we are. No team really has won at all. Is there a clear winner and loser? Did the Colts take one over on the 49ers or is it just kind of uh, up in the air still?
1: I think the 49ers are losers in that situation for not putting Armstead in at the three tech, you know, if they would have just said, all right, we're going to trade away DeForest Buckner, you utilize that money, cap space, that draft right. capital to, you know, grab another player. That's a different impact position and put Armstead at three tech, which felt like more of his natural position. I know they like that big end, especially in that cover four too high. You want somebody that's really stout versus the run on the end there since you have less guys in the box, but put Armstead inside. You got to have somebody else play that big end type position. That would have made more sense. Yeah. And if you would have told me- It well, took two instead, years. Instead of Kinlaw, who yeah. you know, so far, he's still trying to figure it out, injuries, things like that. You drafted you know, uh, 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 CD Lamb, who was yeah. my wide receiver one, and he was available there. And I believe from my understanding, that was Kyle Shanahan's wide receiver one. And it, he had wide receiver one, uh, Lamb, and then wide receiver two, Ayuk, and he really liked Ayuk like, more than a lot of the other guys. From my standpoint, like, that would have made more sense. I felt like that would have been more of a win for the 49ers. But I feel like with the way that they addressed it, drafting Ken Law, now you kind of have to, quote-unquote, be DeForest yeah. Buckner's replacement, which is not fair to him. But And then he hasn't played in the knee injuries and things like I just – I feel like 49ers kind of lost on that. I, I wouldn't have done it that way. I'm not mad at, like, okay, you trade him away, save money, things like that. Cool but I just don't agree with the way they went about it. And that was something that I ne- I didn't understand even when the pick happened, when a lot of 49 fans were like, oh, you got Ken Law. And I'm like, no, no, you got Armstead to play 3 tech. What are you doing? It never made sense to me.
0: My biggest critique, and I, I've been very vocal on this one for a while, of this front office, which I love, is just that they constantly play players out of their position. Um, and that bothers me. Whether it was Solomon Thomas or Eric Armstead or just moving people around, I mean, it, it just bothers me. I really, really don't like how, they, even with the uh, Tarverius Moore moving him to corner for the first couple of years. Like, I get that they have positional value they're trying to maximize, but man, at some point put the player in the best position to be successful it seems simple to me um and i feel like they've missed on that Uh, even like you said moving eric armstead inside wasn't that hard to see it took all those injuries and two years after the uh, deforest buckner trade to finally do it and what do you know it worked out perfectly um and hopefully i i think with all the edges that they brought in that's where he's going to be long term i don't think he goes back outside you you agree with that right
1: I, I hope so. And, you know, you know where they're gonna do with Kinlaw? Are they gonna put Ken Law at that defensive tackle spot? You know, opposite of three tech, uh, that would make a lot of sense. You know, especially after letting go uh, our man DJ Jones. So if they do that, then yeah, you know. But it's like, gosh, man, y'all could have been did that. Like it, it was, I was frustrated by that.
0: Yeah, it, it, it was a lot, but uh, Croc, I just want to say thank you, man. I really do appreciate your time. I know you've got 15 more podcasts you have today, uh, and man, just want to let you know that the community, everybody here loves you. Anytime I ask for a guest, your name's always at the top of the list. Uh, excited to see where all things go. Real quick, uh, anything that you can plug before we jump off here?
1: Oh, man, Locked on 49ers with myself Brad Peacock. We come at you five days a week. Five days a week uh, and good stuff. You know, we it was it was different at first because I have been a guest on his show, but hosting it with him, it's a, it's a lot different, right? And we had to kind of build that chemistry. And I remember early on- Brian's a, a talker people, now. Brian's a talker.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there, there were a lot of
1: people early on like, oh man, this is terrible. Why would you change it up? Like Peacock, you do oh, good by show. yourself. And, and Croc, like, no, like it doesn't work. And now, you know- a lot of people love it, and it's the highest uh, listen show on the Locked On Network. So um, it's been working out, but it's fun. Shout out to everybody that tunes in and listens. in daily, we, got, we try to keep it short and sweet. And uh, sometimes we even we get in trouble a lot for going over the time that they want us to go. But you know, we our numbers are so good with uh, retaining listeners throughout episodes that it's hard for them to complain too yeah, much. Yeah. I-
0: I probably the number one I think I listen to you guys all the time. Love what y'all do. It feels quick, man. Every time I'm like, oh, it's over. Like, which is yeah. a huge compliment. Um, uh, so man, just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, maybe work on that mic issue. But uh, we gotta find something to critique you about, Croc. Come on, man. I
1: know. I don't know what's going on. With you,
0: man. <laughs> all right, Croc. Just want to say thank you, man. Appreciate your time. And as always, stay strong, faithful.